When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, Tommy, welcome to TFL's very first podcast, TFL Talking Cars. This is episode one, and if you guys are watching it on YouTube, then this is a preview of the podcast that is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And on today's show, Tommy, we're going to be talking all about off-roaders. Specifically, this week, the new images of the Ford Bronco were leaked, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what we found in those images. We're going to compare it to the Wrangler, to the Defender, and probably the most important thing, Tommy, is since this is a TFL Studios production, we're not going to be swearing, we're not going to be drinking, we're not going to be smoking. This is as family-friendly as you can get, so if you're listening to this with your kids in the car, turn up the radio and let's talk cars, Tommy. That's right. Sit back and relax or keep driving if you're driving. TFL Talking Cars is on the air, the world's most popular car podcast. Okay, maybe not yet, but we're working on it. All right, so big news, of course, this week was that uh, both the Bronco Sport, which is a baby Bronco based on the new Escape, and, of course, the big Bronco images leaked out. Uh, and those videos, of course, are available both on TFL Car and TFL Now. But what did we notice about the big Bronco? Let's start with that. Well, we saw these images courtesy to the Bronco 6G Forum. Yep. And there are two images primarily we are discussing. The first one is an image of the front three quarters of the four-door version. And the other image is the side profile of a two-door Bronco. And we notice a lot of things that relate this kind of back to the Jeep Wrangler, an open-top adventure vehicle. You know what amazes me, Tommy, that uh, actually the new Bronco, at least in that picture, which we think may have not been Photoshopped, but we don't know. It's a little fuzzy. It could have been Photoshopped. So we're kind of walking out the nice here in some ways. Looks so similar to the Wrangler, right? I mean, you've got the soft top. You've got the big wheels with the beadlock. With the beadlocks, you've got what looks like a removable bumper. I mean, this is a recipe that the Wrangler has gone down for a long time. That's right. Now, we don't know a lot of the specifics surrounding the Bronco. We think that it's going to be based on the Ford Ranger. We think that it's going to be body on frame, perhaps with a solider axle and potentially an independent front suspension. But beyond that, there's not much else we know. And frankly, we don't even know that much. Well, we do know, or we guess at the fact that if it is based on the Ford Ranger, it's probably going to have the 2.3 liter uh, turbo in it, which is the same power plant that's in the Ranger, which is actually a very powerful engine. Um, of course, the Wrangler comes with now three power plants, right? There's the Venerable, which means just, you know, it's been around a long time. Um, uh, Pentastar, that's a V6, three liter. Um, then there is the two liter turbo, which we actually owned. 
Uh, and uh, now there is a diesel that you can get in the Wrangler. Yeah, so 3.6 V6. 3.6, sorry. Yeah, 3.6 V6, 2-liter turbo, 3-liter diesel are the three options in the Wrangler. And the other vehicle that the Bronco could potentially compete against is the upcoming Land Rover Defender, which has two engine options, a four-cylinder turbocharged engine and a six-cylinder turbocharged engine here in the U.S., the six-cylinder being a straight six. So there is a potential that in this Bronco we may see the 2.3 EcoBoost as well as maybe a 2.7 EcoBoost. You know what I'm wondering, Tommy? Why are we talking about these vehicles and who are we if you guys are new to TFL? And I think this is a good time to take a little bit of a break and kind of talk about the fact that we're father and son, mm -hmm. uh, the fact that we've been reviewing cars for the last 10 years. We've got about uh, 2.5 million subscribers on YouTube with five YouTube channels. Uh, we also have about 30 million monthly views on our videos. Uh, and perhaps more importantly, um, I've probably driven every new car that there is over the last 10 years. Uh, and you've probably sat or driven because you were too young when we first started this <laughs> to actually drive every new car. Uh, and more importantly, uh, from kind of our off-road cred, we're based here in Boulder, Colorado, uh, and we've taken pretty much every new car off-road and truck that's out there. So uh, we're really deeply familiar with um, not just what is coming, but what has been. That's right, and especially in the off-road world, that's really our passion and where we get a lot of our joy from. So it's really exciting to see this onslaught of new SUVs and off-roaders come to the U.S. here. Yeah, so tell me, what um, Jeeps have you owned, personally? Uh, well, we, I, personally, I've had a 91 um, Jeep Cherokee, but as a company, we've had a 95 Wrangler YJ, we've had a 2016 Wrangler JK, uh, 2019 JL, um, and now we have a, um, a new Gladiator as well. So we've been kind of all over the board with our Wrangler coverage. Yeah, and you've also, I don't all over the board, I think we've had every Wrangler, or driven every Wrangler that there is. Oh, um, we had a TJ as well. Yeah, we had yeah, a TJ yeah. as well. And then, you know, we're talking about the Bronco today. We also had a 68 Bronco half cab, which is uh, the one that looks like a little pickup truck. Uh, and talk about your Scout. Yep, I had a, a 61 Scout for a while as well. Yeah, and uh, Land Rover, we've had a LR2. We now own... Uh, well, we've, we've had a Discovery 2. Discovery 2. Now we own an LR3. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, I've driven the LR4. Mm -hmm. I have not driven the Defender just because it's not available to drive yet, at least for most people. Um, and what else is there? Oh, there's probably some off-roaders we're missing. Yeah, we've had a bunch of stuff oh, over no. the years. Oh, no. Right now the company also has a Touareg, mm -hmm. first generation. We've had a Raptor and... I don't think people care about the cars we've owned. I think we should get back to the Bronco. Yeah, I know. I'm just trying years. to establish some some cred here, dude, so people yes, out there understand that we know what we're talking about. Because let's face it, you know, there's a lot of people who just start talking about stuff uh, and don't have the street cred to back it up. And I want to make sure that people understand that we do have the street cred. So there are three exciting new off-roaders coming, right? Um, well, there's two exciting new off-roaders coming. There's the Bronco, the Baby Bronco, and the Defender. Um, and I guess in this video, in the, I guess in this podcast, that's my uh, video outtake, uh, we should be talking about how the three will compete and stack up against each other. So let's get the baby Bronco out of the way, first and foremost. We saw images of that. Uh, and basically, uh, this is what I would like to call a soft rotor because uh, there's, you know, different amounts of off-road ability built into different vehicles. Um, and the current escape is a small crossover and what Ford has done we think is put on a little bit bigger tire a little bit more aggressive tire added maybe a little bit of ground clearance 
given an, an all-wheel drive system, but it's not something that, that will directly compete uh, in the let's drive up Everest world. What do you think? Well, we think that the baby Bronco is more in line with something like a Jeep Compass, maybe the Renegade, perhaps a Subaru Crosstrek. So it's a soft rotor for sure, just one designed to look a little bit cooler than you know, an Echo Sport or an Escape. Yeah, and the biggest difference between a hardcore off-roader, you know this, and a, um, you know, more of a crossover is the fact that it has a low-speed transfer case, right? The fact that you can take that big old lever or button or dial or push button and change the way that the power is distributed from high gear to low gear. Yep. Uh, and there aren't that many cars that have low-speed transfer cases. And for all you Jeep fans, we know a Jeep's not a car, it's a Jeep, it's not a truck, it's a Jeep. But let's just go with car for right now because it's closer to a car than a truck. Uh, but you know, there are only a handful of cars actually that have a low-speed transfer case. And in, in the world that we live in, uh, that's crucial to going off-road. And so the, the cars, in quotes, air quotes, that have it are, of course, um, the new Bronco will have it. Maybe. I think that's pretty certain. Maybe, yeah. Well, the cars that currently have it, okay? Uh, the Wrangler? Yep, Jeep Wrangler, Grand Cherokee's available with it. Yep. Uh, a lot of the full-size SUVs uh, are typically available with it as well. Um, because they're based on trucks, which they, have it? Yeah, Land Rover Discovery is available with a, a transfer case. The G-Wagon? Um, yep, Mercedes-Benz G. I think that's... Uh, and the Toyotas, the 4 Oh, yeah, the yeah, can't, of course. Can't, can't yeah. forget the 4 Land Cruiser. Can't forget the Land Cruiser. Decoy, yeah. Yeah, yep. um, and let's see what other brands are there. Um, uh, the Nissan Armada has a low-speed transfer case. Yeah, um, and most of the trucks have it. Right. So, you know, when we're talking about serious off-roaders, I think that's the, 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 the point of entry. And then let's talk about what you can add to that to make it even more off-road worthy. So... You know, the Baby Bronco will probably have, um, I'm guessing at this, but I think I'm pretty right, an all-wheel drive system versus four-wheel drive, because that's really the difference between all-wheel drive and four-wheel drive, having a low-speed transfer case, right? Yeah. Um, so the Baby Bronco will probably have uh, a system where if you get into, let's say, dirt or sand or snow, it might have a little terrain management uh, button or dial that'll let you pick the kind of surface you're driving in, and then what the all-wheel drive system will do is it'll use the car's ABS to figure out which wheel is spinning, and then break that wheel so it sends power to the wheel that ostensibly has traction. Uh, and many, many cars do that, from Subarus to, uh, gosh, you know, um, RAV4s, right? Uh, but uh, what ends up happening with a lot of cars like that is you basically end up having two open differentials. Right. Or more with a Subaru if it actually wants to protect the CVT. So what happens is when you're in a situation with low traction, it tries to send power to the wheel that has traction, but inevitably one will always either not spin or not help you push the vehicle forward. Yeah, I mean, that's essentially how every traction control system works. Whereas the opposite end of that would be something like a Wrangler or a off-road full-size pickup truck that gives you locking differentials so that if you have a wheel spin, um, that, that, that same speed on each side of the vehicle will get you unstuck. So if you're very articulated, for example, there's no need to uh, worry about spinning, 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 and then grip. It's always going to have four wheels turning at the same speed if it's a front and rear locking diff. Yeah, so there are really only two vehicles that have three locking diffs right now, the G-Wagon and the Wrangler. Nope, and the ZR2. 
And the Z, well, let's talk about cars, not trucks. We'll leave the truck conversation to Andre, so I don't want to go into trucks. Okay. But two cars that have three locking divs. In the Wrangler, if you put it into low range, mm -hmm. then it locks the center diff, which means that the power is distributed from the motor 50-50 to the front wheels and 50% to the back wheels, give or take. Well, it's it, it kind of acts like a locking center, right. but it's not a center diff. But it does that in essence. Right. Uh, and the uh, and the G wagon does the same thing. So if you push that locking center diff, it'll lock the center diff so that the power goes 50-50. Now, then you can also in a Wrangler and a G wagon lock the front diff and lock the rear diff. In other words, lock the rear wheels and lock the front wheels so that now 50% of the power is going to the front, the 50 is going to the back, and then 25% theoretically is going to the right wheel, left wheel in the front, right wheel, left wheel in the back, and inevitably you end up with a situation where all four wheels are propelling the car forward and are spinning. Yep. Which is which is ideal. Which which is ideal. That's right. Well, it, it is ideal unless you're in, you know you could be in a situation like dry pavement where the vehicles start to crab because when a car goes around a corner, one of the wheels has to actually spin faster than the other one, right? The outside wheel has to cover a further distance than the inside wheel, and if you've got all four locked, it'll start to crab because it doesn't allow for that. Yes, that's correct. Okay, thank you. You're like a professor over there. Just chill out a little bit. Good God, this is fun. Uh, you're worried that I'm going to say, he's my son, he's worried I'm going to say something silly. Right. All right. Uh, so that's, you know, a vehicle with a locking center rear and a front diff. And I'm hoping that the new Bronco has that same ability. So it'll be one of three cars that have that. You, you seem very stunned. Like, you don't think it'll, it's going to have a locking front diff? You think it'll only have, I'm definitely going to have a locking rear diff. Yeah, I don't think it's going to have a locking front diff. Okay, that's fair. Well, why not? Well, because the Ranger doesn't have a locking front diff, and I think it's going to be largely based on the Ranger. But it's competing against the Wrangler. So yeah, that, 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 that's already in the off-road world, like, to hardcore enthusiasts, like, hey, one hand's tied behind my back because I don't have the locking front diff. Yeah, but I think, you know, from the pictures we've seen, it looks like this new Bronco is going to be an independent front suspension vehicle. And... Typically, independent front suspension vehicles don't have locking front discs, except for the Colorado ZR2. Um, so I think that Once is... again, leave that to Andre. I know, but you have to talk about it, because we're talking about vehicles. We're talking about cars. We're talking cars. You can't call a Wrangler a car. A Wrangler is a no means a car. I, know, I, I said it was a Jeep, dude. Right. We okay. know that. Uh, so let's talk about the difference between independent front suspension uh, and solid axles, which is basically... So the old G-Wagon had... Uh, just like the Wrangler had um, um, solid axles front and rear. Right. Now what's, the, what's the advantage of that? How, how do those work? Why don't you explain that? So when you have solid axles, basically both uh, wheels on either side of the vehicle are locked together in one plane, which is great for articulation. So when one falls in the hole, the other one in theory is going to stay on the ground. Or when one goes in the air, the other one's going to be pushed down onto the ground. Whereas independent suspension vehicles, each wheel has its own um, essentially plane of motion. Uh, so basically what that means is that when one wheel moves, the other wheel is unaffected, which is exactly what you want when you're going desert running, for example, or even on pavement, because if you hit a hole with one wheel, it's not going to affect the other side of the vehicle. The downside of that is when you're rock crawling, you're going to be putting wheels in the air more often because they're just hanging out by themselves. Yeah, so we think that the new uh, Bronco is going to have independent front suspension. Once again, uh, the Wrangler is going to have solid axles front and rear. And the new G-Wagon, which came out about a year ago, uh, went from solid axles to independent front suspension. The Forerunner has had it for a long time. Right, that's exactly right. So the advantage is it gives you a much smoother ride on road. 
and it really uh, improves the vehicle for everyday use, typically a lot more comfortable. The downside is in situations where you want the maximum articulation, you're not going to have it. You know, I was reading, I was actually watching a new uh, review of the Wrangler that Fifth Gear did. You remember Fifth Gear? They used to have a show in the UK, and they reviewed the Wrangler, and they gave it, I think, the lowest team test score they've ever given it, and they called it uh, unrefined uh, and just, you know, not well sorted. And that's really kind of the difference between like what Americans perceive of off-roaders and Europeans perceive, right? The magic of the Wrangler has always been that it's like the Harley Davidson of the off-road world, right? That you can completely customize it and make it your own. And it's funny that the Europeans completely don't get that. To them, it's just this very crude, uh, old school, being nice, uh, you know, not sorted, being not nice vehicle that doesn't work on the road. Yeah, and, and that certainly has been a criticism in previous years, but especially with the JL that was released in 2018, they've improved it so much for on-road capability that I don't think it's fair to say it, it's the cabbage cart it once used to be. Because, you know, that YJ we had with leaf springs was pretty terrible on the road. But nowadays, the coil-sprung Jeeps are actually pretty good. And by the way, if you don't know what Tommy's talking about, uh, the, the internal designation for the new Wrangler is the JL. Uh, we used to have an older one. It actually goes YJ, TJ, JK, JL, mm -hmm. um, CJ before the YJ. Uh, and so that's what we're talking. We're talking internal codes that the engineers and the uh, designers use when they're designing the, the new one. Uh, and the reason I, I, I bring all this up and I bring up the fifth gear story is because <sighs> the Wrangler makes a lot of compromises. First of all, it's a vehicle that uh, has a flat windscreen, right? The windshield is pretty flat, it actually folds down, so it's like driving a brick into the wind. It's not very aerodynamic. It also has removable doors, which is great if you're off-roading, but not so great if uh, you want perfect seals around the doors, right? Mm -hmm, yep. Uh, it also has uh, big, knobby off-road tires, which is great if you're off-roading, but not so great when you're on the road because they give up traction and they're loud. Uh, what else does it do? Well, it also like the, it's also convertible. Yeah, so the top comes off, you know, roll cage uh, or or sports bar they call it rather, uh, and it's it's just not a very great formula for comfort, and that's kind of just been the sacrifice. But the idea with the Bronco, I think, going forward is they want to retain the cool off-road cred, but they also want to bring in some refinement, which I think you can largely argue is exactly what Ford did back in 1966 when the first generation Bronco came out because the CJ5 was pretty much a tractor, if we're being honest, back in the early 60s. And then when Ford released the Bronco after International and the Scout, they, they took it up a level with V8s and straight sixes and bench seats and bucket seats as options. And there were a lot of comfort features that were added. And then especially in 79, 78, when the full-size Bronco came out, Ford brought it up a step with comfort. So I think that's what they're going to try to do with this new Bronco, is take a lot of the capability of the Wrangler, but also add some more style. Well, you're working hard to remember all those numbers, aren't you? Yeah, style and comfort <laughs> and refinement. I think this is a time for a TFL history moment. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the Wrangler came out, obviously, as a Jeep during the Second World War. Well, back then it was called the CJ. Right, yeah, it was a Jeep. Right, before that, the Willys Jeep. Yeah, so the CJ stood for civilian Jeep. And it was built by Ford and by, who was the other company? Willys. Willys, yeah, yeah, that's right, Willys Overland. Uh, and actually, Ford came and had to add capacity because they needed so many of them. Uh, and then what happened was uh, a bunch of those were left around the world, including the United Kingdom, where a farmer decided that, you know what, this makes a pretty good farming implement. 
right? And designed an aluminum version of it. I know all UK fans are like, Tommy's looking at me like I'm crazy. But that's that's basically the genesis of the Land Rover. Well, yes, the, the head of Rover at the time had a Willys yeah. that was left over. Right. And he wanted to produce a new vehicle that was affordable after the war. He didn't have access to the steel reserves. Right, because the steel was used for munitions yeah. and such. So he went uh, with aluminum. Yep. And then he built, you know, the famous Huey model, which was the middle seat, basically, tractor uh, that eventually evolved into the Land Rover series. Uh, and then the, the twos and the threes and, and the, the defenders. defenders. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the stuff that I used to watch on Mutual of Omaha where you, you had kind of this really cool uh, off-roader that had the spare tire on the front hood and, you know, the, the vehicle that conquered Africa and much of... Uh, Oh, I don't know, Asia to some extent as well, I think. So in the meantime, while that was happening in the UK, the Jeep came back to the US after the war, and the civilian Jeep was introduced in two-way form, which was largely uh, like a ranching truck. And then uh, you had the CJ5, and, and more and more people started using them as hunting rigs and off-roaders. So they became you know, wider and more refined with the CJ7 in the AMC era. Uh, And while that was happening, actually, way in the early 60s, a little company called International Harvester saw the success of the Jeep and said, hey, we can make that better and more refined. So they came out with the Scout, uh, which was, you know, more enclosed and more sealed off and more refined. And then Ford saw what International was doing and said, hey, we can do that even better. Stuffed a V8 in it. Yeah, 66, they basically copied the Scout to the T, stuffed a V8 in it. Called it the Bronco. The story goes that the guy who designed the Scout basically penned that that iconic look of what we look at off-roaders now on a napkin, right? Right. So the two lights and then the grill in between, mm-hmm. round lights, and that look has stuck. Uh, uh, and you're right, Ford came out and said, you know, because the Scout was actually doing really well, the original Scout, not the not. Yeah. So for International, which was a small company primarily known for their farm all tractors back in the day, it was selling really, really well. But the issue was selling too well that other manufacturers started taking yeah, notice. Ford decided that you know that was a four-cylinder. Let's stuff the V8 289 into it, which yep. is the one we had. And then, frankly, International didn't have the resources to compete, so they put a turbo on their little four-cylinder Scout, which didn't do much. which didn't do anything. And then eventually, they had to put a V8 in it because Ford was doing it. But by, by that point, the it became much bigger. Yeah, well, and the writing and, was on the wall. And the second uh, Bronco actually was still pretty small. The Bronco too. Right, everybody. The ones you see right now that are all kind of cool and hip and off-roady are the Bronco ones. Well, so the and, and then the Bronco ones. Let me just say this: came out in three body styles. There was, you know, the kind of the station wagon. There was the half cab, which was a little pickup truck, great surf truck, right? You throw a surfboard back there. And then there was actually a roadster, which had no doors and no top. The funny thing is, is actually before the Bronco got small again, it got really big. Yeah, yeah, but I wasn't getting there. I was just at the Bronco too. Well, that's after the big Bronco. Right. So in 78, the Bronco got really big yep. uh, to compete with the Blazer. Yep. And then it got so big, Ford was like, we need to make another small one. So then they came out with the Bronco II in the mid-80s yep. to compete with the Jeep at the time, basically. Yeah, and that didn't work. No, that was a total disaster. Yeah, and then finally we get to the OJ Bronco. Right, which are the, the full-size Broncos. And they're all white. <laughs> they're not all white. Yeah, they are. They're all white. No, they are not all white. And then finally in the late 90s after the OJ incident with the car chase, Ford was like, okay, we're going we're gonna to end this. Yeah, and ever since then people have longed for a new Bronco. And hopefully this year at the Detroit Auto Show... Um, the rumor is we're supposed to see one being unveiled, but because of the coronavirus, Detroit may not happen. I don't know how many people actually want to go and hang out with uh, 4,000 of their best friends in an auto show. The chances are that's not going to happen in New York, but hopefully there is a new Bronco coming. Uh, so, so that's kind of the way that the Bronco developed. The Jeep, of course, Wrangler, has pretty much stayed 
true to its core, right? And the funny thing is, you know, the thing that Jeeps are known for are seven slotted grills, mm -hmm. but that didn't happen until what, like late 80s or early 90s, right? On the, it, it depends on the year. Yeah. Um, the CJ's, for the most part, all had seven slots, yeah. except for the early ones. And then the name but it didn't become a thing till well, recently. You know, it wasn't like a thing back in 1968. Well, the, all the CJs had the seven slots, but like for example, you get an SJ full-size Cherokee with 21 slots, um, and the XJs had eights in some cases. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then the Wrangler came out in 1987 as a replacement to the CJ, which is supposed to be the more refined road yeah, and, model. Yeah, and the problem with this, with uh, there are two problems. First of all, the CJ, uh, which is you know the Levi Jeep, I, I look, I think of it of that era, okay. of the 70s era, right? Uh, it was a bit of a tractor, and uh, it would uh, flip over on its side at the, at, at the, you know, by looking at it, it was just boop, just. Yeah. In 1980, there was an interesting... And the YJ saved Jeep because the YJ, that's yeah. the one that everybody hates. It's got the square headlights. Finally made it into more of a, like a real usable vehicle where you could actually take your family and not be afraid of careening off of a cliff and dying and burning in bloody death. Yeah, even though it was basically the same truck as a CJ7. It was wider. Which, yeah, it's more or less, but it's basically the same truck. And then, of course, the TJ to get more comfortable... And, but they basically had the market to themselves for the last couple decades uh, because the, the Blazer has been gone. It's turned, it turned into the Tahoe. Yeah. The Bronco turned into the Explorer. And, you know, the, there hasn't really been that fun recreational vehicle sold here to compete with the, the Wrangler really since Land Rover left in the late 90s with the Defender. Yeah, and then let's talk about that. You know, Land Rover, of course, kept... Um building new and more, Land Rover defined in some ways the luxury off-road segment, along with Jeep with the Grand Wagoneer. Uh, but in Europe, certainly Land Rover defined that. They also split off into what is very confusing to this day, are, are two separate yet unique one company, right, and which is Land Rover slash Range Rover. Mm -hmm. uh, and the Defender uh, soldiered on for a long time in Europe, I think until like two years ago. Uh, but it, it only came to America officially for what two years? What two years? It was like I want to say ninety-five and ninety-six. Yeah, if you if you're a Defender guys, you'll know because those are the most valuable ones out there. Defenders have actually like Broncos, first Broncos have gone through the roof. So a nice Bronco that was actually originally brought to America and not imported as a gray market truck, car, Jeep, whatever. Um, is worth like 50k right now. Yes, 50 to 80, depending yeah. on the. Yeah, the other ones aren't worth as much because they tend to be uh, right-hand drive versus left-hand drive, and that's very inconvenient when you're going to a Starbucks drive-through. Yeah, that is. Yeah, you're right. The uh, <laughs> so some of the import models are not not that well. And, and I would I would say Tommy that um, Defender is you know I have this theory right. My my theory is that you pick the brand and then you can easily identify the vehicle that holds that brand's DNA. So if it's Jeep, what is it? Yeah, the Wrangler. If it's if it's Land Rover, it's the Defender. 93 through 97 in the U.S. Yeah, there you go. And yet, Land Rover walked away from that product here in America, and to a large extent in the rest of the world as well, for some unbeknownst reason to me, just when like overlanding and off-roading became hot, they decided to go what I like to call urban chic, right? So you look at the vehicles that they were building that were off-roaders, and let's talk about the Discovery series, right? Here they were discos until disco got such a horrible name that they had to change it to the LRs. Yep. And in Europe they were always LRs, but you start with the LR1 or the disco one. In, in Europe they've always been Discoveries actually. Right, right. They, they've never gone LR. Right, so yeah. you start with the disco one, and it's really good off-road. Locking diff, mm -hmm. short wheelbase, uh, 
approach departure angles are really good and then by the time you get to the disco four you don't even know whether you have a locking rear dip because it's an option that you have to spec <laughs> right right and it became very luxurious um, and by the time you get to the disco five you're basically looking at like a vehicle that's more at home cruising miami or hollywood than it is cruising moab that's right. Or at least looks that way, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. And, and the design language also became much more urban chic, right? It became much more rounded, much less square jaw, much more, uh, I don't know, stylish and less rugged. Uh, and um, that's why finally, and I really mean finally, when the new Defender was unveiled last year, and it's coming hopefully to a dealership near you by the end of this month or maybe beginning of April, uh, everybody is you know very excited because finally they've gone back to um, some off-roading routes. So let's talk about the Defender now. What do we know about the new Defender? So the new Defender is coming to the U.S. in two forms. The 110, which is the four-door extended wheelbase model, and then the 90, which is the short wheelbase kind of two-door looking spec. In the, here in the U.S., they all have air suspension, and there's actually two different engines available depending on how much you want to spec. So the uh, four-door starts at, at just shade under $50,000. And it comes standard with a 2-liter Ingenium, it's called, engine. But then if you want to step up to the more powerful power plant, you're going to have to pay extra for the 3-liter inline 6. So the 2-liter makes 296 horsepower, the 3-liter makes 395 horsepower. Uh, other specifications include uh, steel wheels, a standard, which are really cool. And then a number of, they're called specification packages, but basically they're cool off-road or on-road packages. So there's um, uh, you know, two different trims to start out with, and then there's also, um, what was it called, like the Explorer pack with the snorkel. Yeah, they've done a really good job. Basically you go on their website and you pick, hey, I wanna go off-roading, and then it steers you down kind of this path where, um, where you might uh, actually, we just got breaking news, Tommy, that's pretty incredible. Uh, New York Auto Show delayed until August over coronavirus concerns. There we have it. There you have it. Right in the middle of our podcast, we, we get news <laughs> about the uh, New York Auto Show. Yep. It makes perfect sense. Uh, but let's get back to our regular visual programming. Um, so, so you go down the website and you pick, and then they've done a really good job in making it very adventure-friendly. So you could do things like put on, well, I, w I wish it were actually aluminum, um, metal cladding on the, on the thing. Oh, but like the diamond plating? Yeah, but yeah. it's not. It's really plastic. Yeah, they've got diamond plating on the hood, and then there's also like a snorkel. But it's not plastic diamond. Well, sure, yeah. And you can get a snorkel. Roof racks. There's also urban packages, like yeah. if you want an urban model, and uh, country packs for yeah. those looking for, I don't know, playing out in the country, very European thing to say, but it, it is cool how they're optioning out the Defender in different ways depending on how you want to spec it out. Yeah, so this year we're going to have three incredible off-road vehicles that are going to go head-to-head, -head, which is the Wrangler, mm -hmm. the JL, which we've done a lot of stuff on. If you want to look at our videos, oh gosh, we've taken it to Moab, we've taken it and compared it to about every other vehicle there is, including the uh, G-Wagon and the 4Runner. You're going to have the new uh, Defender, you're going to have the uh, new Bronco, and of course you're going to have the 4Runner, which also plays in that space, kind of soldiering on in the TRD Pro version. Yeah, and Nissan has nothing now mm. since they killed the Xterra, which is a shame. Which is a shame, yeah. Just when overlanding and off-roading got really hot, they decided that they didn't want to keep building it. <laughs> exactly. Maybe with the new Frontier coming. No, I'm sorry, Andre. I know I'm talking about trucks. There'll be a new Xterra. It would be really cool to see that. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But it is great to see you know, this, this huge wave of off-roading coming because 
frankly, that's been the, the hot segment in anything. You know, Subaru built the Impreza. It sold pretty well. Then they put a little bit of a lift on it in cladding, and they built the Crosstrek, which blew Subaru out of this world in terms of sales. Same thing with, like, their Jeep Renegade. I mean, any time you can make a vehicle even slightly off-roady, it's going to sell really well. So these serious models like the Wrangler and the G and the Bronco, it's great to see they're still around. Yeah, and so we've got this thing called the TFL ORI scale or off-road index, right? Yep. Uh, and basically, the Wrangler right now is at the top of that because it has all the stuff you need to be seriously off-roading. And not just um, stuff that, that looks good, but stuff that actually functions. So uh, things that that we judge on the ORI scale are like... Uh, stuff we've talked about. So skid plates, approach angle, departure angle, breakover angle, tires, ground um, gearing, ground clearance. And one of the things we haven't talked about are um, our disconnectable sway bars. So let's talk about that. Uh, there are very few vehicles that actually have disconnectable sway bars. So when you go down the road and you make a turn, most cars have sway bars so that the body doesn't sway too much when you go around the turn. Uh, but if you want articulate, if you want complete articulation, you off-road, right? You want that tire to be touching the ground. You don't want those sway bars. Right. And so with uh, the Jeep Wrangler, you can actually disconnect the front sway bar. Yeah, the other vehicle is a power wagon. That's the only other one, yeah. Yeah, that's the only other one. And both of which are solid axles. Right. So typically rare to see it on an independent suspension vehicle. Perhaps the Bronco will have it. The Defender does not have it. Yep. And the other thing I hope the Bronco will really have, which we haven't talked about too, is winch. So some models now are coming standard with optional winches. So from the factory, you can buy, you know, not to talk trucks, but the Power Wagon and even Tremor now with a winch. Maybe the new Bronco will be available with a winch as well. Yeah. Um, by the way, the Tremor is available with the winch from the dealership. Just, is it not yeah, factory? Yeah, not factory? Oh, interesting. Okay. In case you guys are truck guys out there or gals, I don't want you calling us on that one. Um, so um, let's talk about the three vehicles and kind of talk about where the Bronco, as far as we know, excels and where it falls short. So if you look at the Wrangler as kind of the highest level of off-road trim, because it's got the most goodies for off-roading, right? Right. Then I think, as far as we know, the Bronco might fall just below that. Okay. Right, because it will have good, hopefully, approach angles. The pictures we've seen looks like it's got at least 33s, maybe 35s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like it's even got, like, the option for bead locks. And by the way, bead locks are just... Basically a way to keep the tire uh, from falling off the, uh, wheel. the wheel, yeah, which is not good when you're off-roading. And the Defender, you know, we know a lot about it. It's basically built on the Discovery 5, the newest Discovery platform. Uh, and so we know that it won't have a locking front diff. It does have an optional lo locking rear diff. It does have an optional locking rear diff. And then the Explorer pack gives you a bunch of underbody protection and snorkels and the roof rack. And, you know, it's funny because here in America we don't necessarily, at least outside of... Um, maybe Georgia or Florida. We don't do a lot of water crossing, but yet in Australia, South Africa, yeah, it's all water. Crossing. It's all water crossing. So water fording or how deep it can go is a big deal, especially in places like Australia where you get these sudden storms and stuff floods. Here, it's not such a big deal. So uh, the Defender actually may have the highest water fording numbers out there. That could potentially be true. Now, I don't think you can compare them necessarily side by side because I think they're all targeted at different things. Okay, so how the, do you mean? The, the Wrangler, especially the Rubicon, is for the Rubicon Trail, which is old school rock crawling. Let's see if we can get over these boulders. The Defender, in my mind, is more of an adventure vehicle, more of an overlander. Let's cross a continent on dirt. Where I think the Bronco, especially if they do come out with a Raptor trim, is going to be more of a desert runner. 
So more, let's see how fast we can get across this desert. You know, 80, 90 miles an hour, suspension working hard and fast. So I don't think one is necessarily better or worse than another. I just think that they're all different and they all excel at different things. All right, let's talk numbers because everybody wants to know numbers and we'll talk about the numbers that we know. Price, let's start with that. The Wrangler starts at about 27 and you can expect that bad way up to probably 60 plus. Yeah, the Defender starts at 49.9. So it's <laughs> so, more expensive. Right. And you can probably spec it up to close to 100, I bet, if you get all Yeah, it's like 90, 85, 90 for yeah. sure. And I'm guessing the Bronco will probably undercut the Wrangler. So it may start below 27. Hmm. Uh, and it may go not quite as high. So I think if you want, I'm just guessing at this numbers, you know, the vehicle has not been released yet, but numbers uh, numbers on this one are uh, not exact. Uh, but uh, that's my guess. Uh, how about fuel economy and horsepower? Um, let's see. So the most mm -hmm. powerful Wrangler is going to be, in terms of horsepower, the 3.6 liter that's 285 horsepower in terms of torque though the Wrangler diesel is by far the more most popular it's like over 400 pound-feet of torque which is crazy uh, and then you of course in the Defender lineup 395 horsepower on the straight six Defender so in terms of all-out horsepower the Defender is definitely going to be the most powerful at least compared to the Wrangler if for example they go for if you get a diesel Wrangler yeah, but horsepower. Oh, torque, torque. Yeah, torque, the diesel Wrangler is by far the the, the most uh, torquey, yep. right? Now, Ford Ranger, I think, is a good good number to go off of because if, in fact, it is using the 2.3 out of the Ford Ranger, that truck develops 270 horsepower and 310 pound-feet of torque, which I think is a very fair number for a potential Bronco. So I think it's going to slot right in between a 2-liter Wrangler and a 3-liter Defender. Yeah, and how about fuel economy? We know the Wrangler numbers, right? Yeah, the two liter is, I think, low 20s. Yeah, about uh, give or take. Give the, or take. The most fuel efficient Wrangler is the new diesel, which is also... 29 a, on the highway. Which is, I think, diesel. a $4,000 option, so it's not it's cheap. It's really expensive, right? Yeah, yeah, so that's 29 on the highway. Uh, we don't know the Bronco. We could kind of guess at it based on what the Ranger does, and that's probably, what, mid-20s? On the highway, highway yeah. yeah, and then the Defender. I don't think I don't think they have they announced their EPA numbers. I don't know. Let me check. Yeah, we'll check while you're while you're looking at that. But certainly the most fuel efficient, I think, still is going to be uh, by far the diesel Wrangler. Uh, it also probably will tow the most. I'm guessing, potentially. So what? No, the, the three thousand or the diesel Wrangler is way low. Is Thirty five hundred because it doesn't have enough payload. The Defender is over seven thousand. Wow. The Defender is really really high. Yeah, and the Bronco. Let's say the Bronco. I is, think it's going to be less than seven, more than three and a half. So let's, let's call it five. Yeah. Um, so that's what we're talking about when we're towing, uh, and then you know seating. Obviously, they're all two row vehicles, so we're looking at five people. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a Defender that has a third row. Uh, I think that's not... No, there is a Defender with a three-row. Is there really? Yep, for sure. Yeah, there's actually a... Like, like, uh, like a Disco, basically a, a Discovery. Well, there's a five-seater, yeah. a six-seater with yeah. two Oh, that's two right. Benches. Yeah, the cool thing about the, about the Defender is that you can get one where you can actually put a person in the middle seat in the front row. And then there's also a 2-3-2, two, two, so there's also a seven-seater. So there you go. So the Defender is going to be the most... Most, um, yeah capability in terms of hauling people. And then the one thing that everybody wants to talk about all the time is reliability, huh? Yep. <laughs> and that really depends on whether you're a fan of the brand or not a fan of the brand. Uh, let's start with uh, Wranglers. Uh, Wranglers have been um, relatively um, reliable, but having said that, ours wasn't the one that we had. We had a JL for about six months. 
Uh, we had some pretty bad issues with it. Uh, but then we had one for a year and it was fine. So, you know, on the scale of one to 10, I'm going to give a Wrangler about a five. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm just saying. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, you know, people out there are probably screaming, it's an FCA product, you know. Uh, and we, so I think especially reliability is so dependent on how you treat the vehicle and what you use it for. And, and, how and to be fair, it. we do a lot of testing, but we don't do reliability testing. Well, we just don't have the vehicles for long enough to yeah, do the testing. We usually get them for a week unless we buy them. Uh, now, uh, the Defender... Oh my, uh, we've had a bunch of Land Rovers. And they've been perfect. And they've been perfect, but uh, there's a reason Land Rovers are dirt cheap and depreciate like rocks, and that is because, let's talk about the Disco 2 we had, right? Ours was fine, but pretty much every critical failure you can get on a vehicle, that one had. So uh, it would uh, blow its head gasket. Yes, yeah, so they had head gasket uh, Almost every one of them blew head gaskets at Disco 2. Yeah, they had head gasket issues. They Break, had, three Amigos. Yeah, they had ABS issues, uh, drive shafts issues that would take out the transmission. But that's that was a long time ago. Lightning Land Rover has improved dramatically since 2004 when we had ours. You know, I'm not sure about that. The market hasn't at least priced that in because used Land Rovers are still dirt cheap, especially Range Rovers, because what happens is when they break, especially any car with uh, air suspension, it gets very expensive to fix. Yeah, that's true. And uh, but talking about Ford, right? Yeah. I mean, Ford is super dependent on the model. So, like, their F-Series trucks are very reliable. Yep. And then they came out with a power shift automatic in the um, in, in the, their small cars, so Fiesta and Focus, and those were a disaster. Yeah, so uh, I guess if you want the most reliable one, go for the Ford. I think that, that one's been around the most. It's been the most sorted. Uh, it's been uh, pretty much... Uh, developed over the years to become pretty bulletproof. So if, if that's something you're after, that might be the one in that category. To get. What we really need is a new FJ Cruiser. That's what we really need. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation that yeah. we're having. Uh, and in the final minutes that we have uh, before we wrap this up, Tommy, um, if it were your money, which of those three would you get? I don't know. I haven't driven two of them. Just yeah, I know, but I mean, I'll ask you this question again on episode uh, fifty-two. This show is going to be weekly, so a year from now, like, you can give me a more a comprehensive answer. But right now, I'm going to give you, uh, let's say, I'm going to give you fifty k, which should buy you, hopefully, every one of those. You may have to add some money if you want to get the Defender, but you could certainly get a nice Rubicon Jeep, and you can certainly get a Bronco for that. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know. I don't know which of the three. What's the most lustworthy, I guess I'm asking. Oh, lustworthy. What's the, what's, the what's the one that like, hey, this is one that really like, you know, I want to see under the Christmas tree. Well, I, I'm a big Land Rover guy, so probably the Defender right now, but I think the Bronco is going to be really cool when they finally debut it. Yeah, and I, 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 um, I'm really torn. I wish I could tell you one. You know, it depends on what day I wake well, up. Well, you didn't answer it either. I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm serious. One day I wake up and I'm like, I would love to have a Land Rover. Defender, the next day I wake up and it's like the Wrangler all the way and then, you know, a new Bronco is going to be so cool that you got to have one. Mm -hmm. um, and then looking into kind of, you know, we're, we've been following the car industry for 10 years now and looking kind of into our uh, time machine, I have a bad feeling that, especially with everything that's happening in the world right now, uh, that the Defender and even the Bronco are too late and coming out, right? Mm -hmm. the, the, the big overlanding craze probably took hold almost 10 years ago where social media hit, right? Everybody was like, hey, I'm taking a selfie of myself in front of the Grand Canyon. Isn't this great? Hashtag van life. Uh, and I think that's what drove a lot of this overlanding, you know, uh, off-roading craze 
Uh, and now with the economy looking a little bit shaky, it may be just a case of, you know, too little, too late for both the Bronco and the Defender. I hate saying that because I really want them to succeed, but I kind of feel like they're going to be expensive and maybe that um, kind of hit when iron is hot time has come and gone. Well, we'll see. That's the best you can see? I, honestly, I, I don't know. I think we have to wait until Defender and Bronco hit the market before we can really judge what, what the public thinks of them. It's not what the public thinks. It's how much money the public has in their pockets. I think people love them. The question is, are you willing to spend the money? You know, uh, I think the other thing that, that is more hopeful and is certainly true is uh, the Wrangler needs competition, dude. I mean, you know, the competition makes things better, makes uh, things less expensive, and brings out the best. Yeah, I agree on that completely. I mean, I think the Wrangler certainly has improved in this new generation, but there's more that could be done. Like what? Well, it's still way too expensive for what you get. Yeah. Uh, it still doesn't have a lot of the standard active safety gear that you'd come to One expect. star in European crash testing. Yeah, because it doesn't have you know standard pre-collision avoidance. and Autonomous braking. Yeah, so I think that's definitely a place where it can be improved. Um, uh, you know, the one thing I hope the Bronco does is they take a page out of Wrangler's notebook and uh, they let us customize it. So, you know, I mean, what makes the Wrangler such a ingenious vehicle is it's like a Harley, right? You can go out there and you can build your own, literally. Uh, everything is available for it uh, that lets you customize it. And so when you're out there, like looking at Wranglers at the Easter Jeep Safari, no tour the same. I love the Wrangler. I also don't think the engines are particularly that great. I don't think there's one engine that's the one to, to Yeah, there to is. Buy. There is a great engine. What is it? The Hemi. Yeah, that's not, once again, not in the Wrangler. So there's definitely room for improvement there. But let us know. Uh, you know, head over to tfocar.com and drop us a comment. What do you think of the uh, the new new Bronco? Are you excited for it? Is it something on your list? Yeah, let me do a little before we close. Let me do a little promotion for uh, the Fastlane car, the Fastlane truck, the Fastlane now, the Fastlane off road. Um, uh, this is the entire TFL family of uh, YouTube channels. TFL Classics. TFL Classics, which you run. Uh, speaking of TFL Classics, tell me what are you doing with that old ML? I'm not sure yet. So we've got some more videos coming on the ML, the Mercedes ML. And we've got a bunch of fun stuff coming up around our 1989 F350. So we have this old project uh, truck. It's a diesel. We call it Project Gunsmoke. So because be sure it's to, a smoky diesel. Yeah, be sure to check out <laughs> TFL Classics for all that, all that cool stuff. And then uh, over at uh, TFL Car, you tell me we'll be heading off to the Easter Jeep Safari, looking at the hopefully. annual... Hopefully, if it still happens, looking yeah. at the annual... Uh, um, concepts that Mark Allen, the head designer for Jeep, has built this year. I've heard, I've heard tell that they've spent a lot of money and built some really cool ones. Uh, that's supposed to take place around Easter. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with that. Yeah, and it's uh, a lot of fun stuff going on. So definitely subscribe to TFL Car and TFL Truck for all the latest and greatest in new car reviews. Yeah. Once again, thanks for listening, and come back next week when we are doing a little bit more. Uh, Talking cars right. with uh, me and Tommy, and uh, hopefully you've learned something because I certainly have, Tommy. Yeah, for sure. All right, see you guys next time. Ciao. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.